Taylor, how you doing this morning? I'm doing good, dude. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. So far, so good. I had a, I had a really good Sunday. Did you watch uh, any part of Sunday Night Football last night? I did. That was a pretty rainy weather game in uh, Tom Brady's epic return to Foxborough. Yeah. I, I picked it as one of my locks, and I was sweating bullets there towards the very end because I, I think I wagered like 14 points on it. But uh, Tom Brady had no touchdowns that game. Tom Brady had no touchdowns. None. Yeah. Wow. The weather was a huge factor in all this, obviously. Yeah, I that was that was my big thing because I remember it was raining during the first half, which is when the Buccaneers were struggling, and then um, I, I don't really know what Belichick was thinking with the fifty-six yard field goal in the pouring rain, but apparently Belichick and Brady were sitting down in the locker room after everybody had calmed down and and left, and they were just hanging out for like forty forty-five minutes. Apparently, Belichick didn't show up with anybody else; it was just him, no security, no nothing. He just walked right into the visiting locker room, so everybody's going to make their own narratives in terms of like how quick their hug was and everything. It's just like, dude, these two love each other. They would not have existed without the other. I am sure that there was going to be some kind of arranged meetup between the two of them where no one else was going to be in the know of it. It's like they, they, they know how this all goes down and they very much, I'm sure would have enjoyed sitting down and just talking with each other one-on-one like that with no cameras around, nothing, just them two. Man, Brady was really talking like this is the last year, though. He's like, I, at least I think that's his expected last time ever playing New England. But I think, honestly, Tom Brady's going for 10. Well, what? So he needs two more? <laughs> he needs two more. But yeah, you're right. The way he was talking. and But I loved how he spoke about just, you know, when he retires, like he very much wants to remain involved in that community. It's It's like he recognizes like this is his franchise. Like this is the team that he is going to always have himself aligned with like well beyond his career that he wants to be involved in and help with in every way. Yeah, it was weird. I'm, I'm very interested to hear how some of the media and New England fans talk about it today because there was there's just so much to talk about for that game. But speaking of so much to talk about, we are going to move into our bad beats. This is our explain yourself episode where we don't cover the entire week of the NFL. Obviously, Sunday night football being the exception here just because it was I figure something fun to talk about and a good little check mark to put in the timeline for the NFL right now all we are going to talk about is the games we got wrong we came away with eight total losses if you add all the games we got wrong there are some games that you got wrong that I got right and vice versa but as it currently stands I am 41 and 22 on picks on the season I Finally moved to the front after your leading for three weeks straight in terms of total points. I hold a seven-point lead, and you have a 35-28 and 28 record with 352. So, overall, we are 80% correct on my entries. You're 75%. That's still a great record. So Yeah, it was weird. It's just been a weird season overall on picking games with confidence. It was a very strange week, and I think... Without further ado, Taylor, let's go ahead and hop into it. Tell me about one of the close games that you expected to go one way, but it ended up in favor of the opponent. Well, I had two points in my confidence rankings on the Carolina Panthers over the Dallas Cowboys. Obviously, the Cowboys pulled this one out. If I'm a Cowboys fan, I can't think that I'm very happy with the way this game went because the Cowboys did manage to put a pretty sizable lead on the Panthers. But 
their defense failed them in, in such a way that the Panthers were able to climb back into this, even without their star player in Christian McCaffrey. So you got to commend Sam Darnold in the game plan and the way that they were moving the ball and managing to still produce with the way this Dallas defense was playing. I'm not very happy with the Cowboys defense as a whole. I don't think for one bit that you can tout this team with a lot of confidence going forward. Dak Prescott's going to keep you in games. There's no doubt about it that, that what the Cowboys can do as an offense, they're going to produce points. But if the defense is going to manage to allow teams, a good team, at mind you, in the Panthers, who are not a slouch team, they're still, even after this loss, are a solid team, in my opinion. If you're going to let teams like them climb back in this, you know, you've got to have some real worry and concern for the Cowboys and what they can do against some of these much more talented teams that they have yet to face. What would this game have looked like had Christian McCaffrey been healthy and playing? It would have been a little bit more of a challenge, in my opinion, for Dallas. This is a, a reason why I did have Carolina picked in this game, not because of I knew Christian McCaffrey was out, but I knew it was going to be close. I just I just felt that the Panthers still had enough there to give an edge over Dallas because their offense is still managing to play at a high level, and we know the kind of defense that Carolina has. Now, they, they got it put on them uh, with Dak and this Cowboys offense, but I do think Carolina still is a team to be reckoned with going forward. And they're going to have to make some improvements and adjustments on their end uh, against some of these teams that they're going to be playing. But if I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan, Cody, I'm a little bit I'm a little bit concerned, to be honest. So I, I picked Dallas in this game. I didn't have high confidence. I only put four points on it, but I still think there was a lot to like here. I, I will touch on your points on the defense in a moment. I seem to like it a little bit better than you, but I, it's an interesting observation nonetheless like you said this was Dak Prescott's coming out party I mean they had four touchdowns from his arm they ran such a balanced attack that allowed Zeke to eat they've allowed Pollard to eat in the past and it just allows Dak on that play action to just unload every single time and their defense can rest and then if they're generally playing with the lead under this well-ran offense it allows them to just unleash those pass rushers and just play much tighter pass coverage. I liked their offense, but man, I have a lot more respect for their defense, I believe, than you do. I understand the issue with them allowing teams to come back, but Trayvon Diggs has his fifth interception in four weeks. He got his fourth and his fifth in this game. He's averaging one plus interceptions per game at this moment. Oh yeah, no disrespect to Diggs. He's playing at a great level. I'm just concerned about the rest of the unit. Sure, but I believe when you have guys like that, like the Ramseys, like the great defensive backs on your roster, you can rally behind those guys because they can bail you out of mistakes. I think Trayvon Diggs, for as young as he is, I don't know if he's in the elite DB conversation, but the league is on notice for this guy. Oh, absolutely. He He's he's up there in the conversation now, for sure, the way he's playing. No doubt. He's, he's special. To your point about the Panthers coming back, I really think it's more of accreditation to the Panthers than a a condemnation to the Cowboys defense. This Panthers team continues to fight. It looks like Sam Darnold recognizes the position that he is in and he makes the most out of every single opportunity, every single snap. 
to your point, I think CMC was probably missed a little bit more than we thought. I liked this offense even without CMC. I think you and I did both did. You know my take. I will always say it's risky to build a, an offensive identity around running backs. Right. Short careers, injury prone, all the different statistics that you recognize in terms of making your identity focused around such a risky position. And we saw that here. There seemed to be no safety blanket, no go-to play that would equal a first down or even more. But Sam Darnold was running for his life, which is why I really uh, thought the Cowboys defense played well. Um, He even turned two of those runs into touchdowns, I guess, in the red zone. So maybe a balanced approach of working on that QB contain strategy. But I'd like to see the Panthers build more around Donald going forward. I think they have a lot of great passing targets. Um, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Terrence Marshall. These guys are great. And I think he can carry that offense. So I'm interested to see where both of these teams go forward. Obviously, I think Dallas is a little bit further ahead in terms of their power ranking scale, I guess. The Panthers are a really interesting team. And I think there's a lot of room for motion. And I think if they fix a lot of the errors that they currently have, before McCaffrey gets back, when McCaffrey comes back, this could be a real problem of an out in a weak matchup. So Panthers host the Eagles next week, another NFC East opponent. I think this is a great game to watch as well. It's probably a lesser version of the Cowboys, so we'll go into that a little bit more in our in our preseason. We'll go into that a little bit more in our preview of the following week. Cowboys get an NFC East opponent in the Giants. I expect there to be a similar result here, but nonetheless, good matchups going forward. One of the close games that I got wrong was I picked Miami to beat Indianapolis. I really expected the Colts to struggle against Carson Wentz leading their offense uh, while carrying some ankle injuries. And I really liked what I saw with Jacoby Brissett against the Raiders last week. He played hard. He brought us to overtime. It might have been more of an issue with the Raiders than a compliment to Jacoby Brissett after this past week because the Colts won a great game down in Miami. I also thought Jonathan Taylor would ball out even with the absence of Quentin Nelson and fantasy managers were rewarded. I have been saying this for three weeks now. I think I finally spoke it into existence. This was the game that any Jonathan Taylor fantasy manager was waiting on. Wonderful production, but ultimately this was just a simple, straightforward win for Indy. Uh, Their offense appeared to be kind of working through some sketches, but their defense, I have focused more on defense, it feels like, this season, thanks to you. But their defense was approaching this Miami offense to such a regard that allowed to, to keep pressure in Jacoby's face, and it helped the offense really have patience to kind of work through these sketches and find their footing. And yeah, it was an ultimately an important win for the Colts to make sure to not miss out on, certainly with already a division loss in their record. Um, maybe the, the Colts had a little bit more at stake with that record, but I'm going to keep throwing advantages towards the Colts. I really like this roster. If they can really catch the rhythm, I think it can be special going forward. Carson has to keep up that kind of play. He had some beautiful throws, particularly in the red zone, which is really, I think, the moment that I've always paid attention to Carson Him in the red zone is a playmaking moment waiting to happen. Um, As far as the Dolphins, we'll see. It's still too early. I think they're probably going to be a bottom half team. Tua's injury is a major impact, obviously, on this forecast. I don't really know what offensive game plan identity that I'm going to keep recurring 
right now because we're four weeks in. We should have a rough idea on what is really important for these teams to succeed offensively. But Tua being out really affects that forecast. Ultimately, this comes down to Brian Flores has got to start winning games. I don't think it was a severe disadvantage that they had against the Colts this week, but you always got to look at a coach. You got to look at any player. This is important for evaluations. Are we better with this guy here? I don't think you can say yes to Brian Flores. As of now, he's got to start winning games because I believe that seat is starting to get hot and perhaps coaching prospects could be on the call list for the Dolphins before long. Yeah, that's fair assessment. And What's benefiting for the Dolphins is the the amount of draft capital they have, even if they are to have a down year this year. They've just got some unfortunate circumstances in their case right now, barring injuries and whatnot. So it it does appear that the Dolphins have taken a, a big step back this year from where they were last year. Added difficulty for both of these teams next week. Dolphins head to Tampa Bay for a Florida matchup. Tampa Bay finally ending that long road trip that they've had for the past two weeks. Uh, For the Colts, we have a Monday night football matchup against the Ravens. I think this is another excellent opportunity for the Colts to get right. Speaking of games that everyone will have their eyes on, we are now moving into the games that you and I both got wrong. So there was a game in Los Angeles that you and I both expected to go different. It was a 3-0 team versus a 3-0 team bragging rights for first place in the NFC West division. Taylor, tell me what the hell happened in SoFi Stadium this weekend. Two undefeated teams going at it in the in the NFC West. We knew that this was going to be a really special game to watch. I think my expectations were is that one, the Rams super impressed me last week in the performance they put up against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Big statement to the league last week in the in the win they got. But going into this game, I just felt like, you know, if this was if there was going to be a game that I felt like the Cardinals were going to get their first L, it was going to come against the Rams. But man, what an amazing turn of events and what the Cardinals did. I mean, the Cardinals, in my opinion, looked like the Rams did against the Buccaneers. Cardinals just made a huge statement win. I still felt like there were moments where Jalen Ramsey was, to me, the best player on this defense for the Rams and the way that he played against DeAndre Hopkins. That's always a matchup I'm going to tune in really closely to and seeing those two great players go at each other. There's a big difference in quarterback play. Kyler, he has shown he's got some elite acceleration in this league with his feet. I mean, what an impressive runner he is with the football and so great at avoiding big hits but some of his throws were on dimes so there was just so much about this Cardinals offense that just blew me away and how they played against what is a really formidable defense in the Rams so there's just a lot to take away from here from this game and how this shakes out the NFC West but in my personal opinion right now the the Arizona Cardinals climb to the very top of the power rankings for me as the best team in the league right now. They, on offense, have everything they need to to put up points. And then on the defensive side of the ball, Chandler Jones, J.J. Watt, Buda Baker, all the Isaiah Simmons, all these guys on that defense. And being the Texan fan that I am, I was thinking about it. But you know, there was always some kind of wonder as to like why J.J. Watt would join the Cardinals. It just seemed like a random choice. But man, 
there was something there that I think he was aware of and was on to and was like, oh, yeah, I know where this team is going. I want to be a part of this. Like, let's go. I'm about winning at this point in my career. And the Cardinals look like they have all the things in place that they need in order to make a real serious championship run this season. So this doesn't necessarily downgrade uh, the Rams in a big way of any sort. I still think they're a team you got to take seriously and they're going to be up there. They're going to, they're going to come back. They'll, they've got another date with the Cardinals in the season. So that's going to be a fun game to watch again and how the Rams respond going forward. Yeah. This was such an important loss for the, Rams. I think getting losses like this, like the Bucks had last week as well, losing against very capable opponents early in the season can prove to be so formidable for a Super Bowl run because you understand that you are not invulnerable at such an early point. And it's really, really helpful for teams that have Super Bowl aspirations. The 72 Dolphins are one step closer to a toast with another 3-0 team getting knocked off the list. We have another 3-0 team playing tonight on Monday Night Football. More on that later. But there are just so many ways the Cardinals can beat you. Edmonds and Connor are such an X-factor, I believe, for this offense that is already full of X-factors and guys like Kyler and D-Hop. Edmonds gets 120 yards rushing, including a dagger late on a third down conversion to seal it. Connor gets two red zone touchdowns on top of 50 more rushing yards. Fantasy managers, I'm sure, are aware of chasing that number two target behind DeAndre Hopkins for a fantasy option. We've had Rondale Moore be that candidate. We've had Christian Kirk be that candidate. We saw A.J. Green get a touchdown, but it seemed like Max Williams was really the guy their tight end today. Five receptions, 66 yards, and a touchdown. He had some great, huge gains um, that really helped them move very quickly down the field. And then Kyler just doing Madden-like evasions to avoid sacks and convert third and longs. It's obnoxious. When they had a holding penalty in one particular instance, which backed them up 10 yards, the announcers were mentioning, I probably don't take this here. This looks like a Kyler blueprint for a third and long scramble for a conversion. This is just so impossible to try and compete with the speed considering you have guys even as le- as athletic as Aaron Donald chasing them. It's just a problem. But I really came away thinking this was ultimately just a preparation issue for the Rams. I talked to you about it during the game. The Bucks seemed to be the primary focus last week, and maybe the Cardinals didn't get near as much preparation. I understand that's really a amateur view of probably how things are going, but I'm just viewing things from a mentality capacity that you need to come down from the highs of preparing for and succeeding against a team like the Bucks. And same on the Cardinals side. The Cardinals had a sloppy win against Jacksonville last week, obviously a lesser opponent. So maybe this was their main focus that they were maintaining their mental capacity or energy or focus for. Either way, it's really hard to discern for me who the number one projected Super Bowl pick is right now. You mentioned the Cardinals are probably the closest to that top, but with teams acting crazy like this game was in terms of trying to predict it, these teams are so close to the top, but I guess we got to keep Arizona ahead of Los Angeles for at least for right now. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. And I'm not about to overreact here on anything with the Cardinals, but it, the the point is 
there's just a lot of weapons on this team that equate to speed. And it made it really challenging and difficult for the Rams to come away making those stops on those players. It looks like guys like Cliff Kingsbury, who, who's coaching this team, and Kyler Murray being quarterback, they're having fun, Cody. Yeah, it's a, it's a really important game. Normally, we don't spend too much time on our recap shows talking about games, but this was just such a good shift in the dynamic for the league as a whole that I think it deserved a little bit more time. Next week, the Cardinals go to play another NFC West opponent who seems to be struggling right now in the 49ers. They will be hosting them at, down in Arizona. The Rams are heading up to Seattle for Thursday night football. Short week. We'll see how it goes. Thursday night division games are always a hard guess, but we're excited nonetheless. So moving forward, we're going to kind of pick up the pace a little bit because there really is less to talk about maybe for these teams. But I saw a game that I just couldn't get my finger on. I wagered one confident point on it, and I really expected the team that I have been seeing the past few weeks, who has been playing well against capable opponents, to beat a team that is struggling to stand on two feet offensively. I really thought Detroit was a team that had changed in terms of continuing to fight, continuing to put the pressure on teams, and I thought they would do the same against a division opponent in Chicago. But Detroit is still Detroit. You can do anything you want against this defense. Justin Fields still may have some nice throws, but he mostly had clean protection all day long. Like, I'm, I'm still not sold on that guy, but it's an improvement from the Bears we saw last week, which I think anything would be an improvement. But Bears defense will be the identity of this team until further notice. They will beat a lot of lesser opponents, and they will hang in tough games because of that crew. 100%. As for the Lions, I liked what I saw the past few weeks, as I mentioned. But these two division games have showed more of what we thought would be the Lions team in the preseason. I understand if you looked at the first half stats, you would be like, but this Lions team looked great. We'll look at the second half, and you understand what the Lions that we are used to look like. I don't trust this team to win many games this season. Even the idea of multiple wins looks like a real gamble right now. I don't think there's too much to like here. I think Jared Goff is being put in charge of some offensive decisions that we have seen what he is capable of achieving in those moments in the past. And I think this Detroit Lions team is going to struggle a lot. And a lot of the production, at least from fantasy, as we see with teams that start stacking losses, is going to start to drop as the team starts to doubt itself. Dan Campbell has to take some responsibility on his part for this loss because to me, the Lions just looked very unprepared going up against the Bears. I made the mistake. I put I wagered five confidence points on the Lions coming out with a win on the Bears. Kind of much to what you said, Cody. I think there was just a lot of things there that we saw the Lions doing that looked really good and promising against some higher level opponents. So naturally, I just felt that this is a game where I could see the Lions definitely getting their first win. I don't expect them to be a stellar team all year long or anything like that. But if there's a game that I think they get their first win on, it's this. But man, the Lions just look lost. And the Bears, they can feel good about this one, Cody, but they still got a lot of work ahead of themselves in, in trying to make a case for themselves as being a serious team in this division. 
Next week, the Lions look to finish their first lap of the NFC North. They play the Vikings in Minnesota. As far as the Bears, we always talk about this matchup seemingly when it happens, but the prodigal son returns to his old club. Cleo Mack will be traveling to Las Vegas to play the Raiders. So our next beat of the week, you and I both really thought this was closer to a lock. You actually listed it in one of your top three locks. Taylor, what the hell happened in New Orleans? You just don't know what kind of New Orleans Saints team you're watching. No matter who their opponent is, it just looks like on the table, you know, they should get a win. I just felt like the the Giants weren't showing me anything that was going to prove to me that they were going to get a win against a capable team like the Saints who are experienced in every facet and measure of getting capable wins that they need to get. And I felt like this was one of those games where they should definitely get this win with no issue, no problem at all. But unfortunately, I come on the losing side of this where the Giants managed to get a win on the Saints. And the thing is, I, I'm i just so confused with the Saints. I don't know what what team I'm watching when I see them. I When I think that they should be something, they're not delivering on it. And I think the Giants just capitalized on what in some ways felt like a just a desperation win for them down there in New Orleans. And they managed to get one. Saquon Barkley. What a game. He just came out of the gate with such a tremendous game. And I mean, he is the unquestionable leader of this group. Just a special, special game for him that he should be really proud of. And Daniel Jones, I think, is still managing to play very solid at the quarterback position for the Giants. Managed to put over 400 yards passing. I think he had one interception in that game, but I think he had two touchdowns. So the thing about Daniel Jones is, from what I've seen... From somebody who you spent the sixth overall pick on that one year, Daniel Jones is improving. And for Giants fans, they should feel encouraged. He's playing with confidence. And that's a good sign to and that's something to feel good about if you are a fan. You know, from fantasy managers, we we can only predict so much based on the based on scores, based on targets, based on all these things that are really not important in the game, but I believe Sterling Shepard being out of this game really helped Daniel Jones grow as a passer and really as a playmaker and a decision maker for that offense. A lot of responsibility was now transferred to Saquon Barkley. And I think that was a great call by Joe Judge and Jason Garrett to make sure to get your guy back to the levels that you want him to be. New Orleans is just confusing, man. The only thing that I can think here is what I talked about. It's that constantly moving piece at quarterback. Like it is way too predictable with Taysom Hill in the backfield. He can't throw. He just runs. I mean, he's great in the red zone, but they got to do something more creative with that offensive backfield. Cody, who are the saints right now? Just from your perspective, who are the new Orleans saints? I believe Sean Payton is just working through sketches. We talk about this. Bill Belichick talked about this a lot that, he doesn't really pay attention to who his team is until after week four. So this could have been a completion of that first four-week section. You have 13 more weeks to figure out what works for your team. I think Sean Payton has that perspective, and that's why he's utilizing 
what he is doing in terms of offensive game plans to be patient with that approach. So it's a wait and see. I am not confident in the Saints at all. I believe they are going to be a repeat visitor in our close games rankings just because I don't want to wager on this team anymore. Certainly, I'm keeping them out of locks. But next week, they have another opponent that we're struggling to get our finger on. They travel to Washington to take on the football team up there. I don't know what to think of either one of these teams, but that's where I just talk about the Giants, and their opponent next week will be in Dallas. It's always a crazy game whenever the Cowboys and the Giants get together. So our next beat was based on a team that we really have liked, and it's maybe more the coaching staff that we're giving favoritism to this team. You and I both really like Kyle Shanahan. We really expect him to be such an X factor in terms of game planning for opponents, especially opponents that you see as frequent as division opponents. I have admitted all of my thoughts on Pete Carroll. I think he knocks the Seattle Seahawks out of games over and over. But we got this game wrong. I picked San Francisco. I really thought they were a better team compared to the Seahawks that we saw lose to Minnesota. But this game's story really was 7-7 until the start of the second half, which is, I think, a narrative that we could not predict because at the start of the second half, San Francisco's starting quarterback, Jimmy G, went down with a calf injury. Apparently, he was like stepped on or something in a pile. And their rookie, Trey Lance, who a lot of people believed to be the heir apparent for the play caller in San Francisco. He came in and I got to say, they're probably doing the right thing by having him sit. I have a similar takeaway for him as I do with Justin Fields in Chicago. There are flashes, there's obvious athleticism, but the game still looks too complicated for them to say either one are a sure thing. After that swap happened at quarterback, this mostly became the Russell Wilson show for Seattle. Still some beautiful plays by Debo Samuel on San Francisco's side of the ball, who had a monster game for San Fran. RIP to anybody that had to play against Debo Samuel. But ultimately, I won't look too much into this one. It's hard to win with a swap at QB at halftime of a division game. So as much as we predicted San Francisco to be here, I think there was just not some elements of consistency that we needed for this to work. It's just a bad beat, man. If they did a rematch tomorrow, I think I would still take the 49ers. If they if they have a healthy Jimmy Garoppolo playing, I like the 49ers just a little bit more than Seattle. But I got to give credit to Russell Wilson because he played tremendous for Seattle. Trey Lance right now is looked like a rookie quarterback. Looks like there's good reason why he is sitting right now, and that's okay. It's doing him more favors to sit right now behind Jimmy Garoppolo and still learning the game itself and the flow of the game from Shanahan while he sits on the bench. So yeah, no question. This guy's got a lot of talent and there's a lot of upside to him, but he looks like a rookie quarterback and that's okay. There's, there's nothing to panic about with some of these rookie quarterbacks that are playing, man. It's four weeks into the season. It's early, man. They're learning and figuring it all out as they go. So this doesn't necessarily temper my thoughts on San Francisco and the kind of team that I think we're st they're still capable of being. But hope hopefully Jimmy Garoppolo turns out all right and can get back to it next week. Yeah, to pour some water and really help clarify this take on Seattle, I think you and I are in consensus that 
it's not necessarily a short-term issue that we have with Seattle. Seattle is totally capable of making the playoffs, of reaching that first or second round matchup. More of the issues that we have with Seattle is long-term success. There is just not consistency year over year for me to believe in this team. And that's why I always come at Pete Carroll so hard because this team has had some fundamental pieces in place for a while, certainly at quarterback. And then on the defensive side, you've had Bobby Wagner just wrecking shop all over the field for almost a decade now. And they're still just seemingly struggling week in and week out. I think the playmaking ability for Seattle is undeniable on both sides of the ball, but the chance to really step into that role that the Bucks or the Rams or the Cardinals have of just putting their foot on throats of their opponent has just not been reached with this team in a long time. And that's my biggest qualm, second guessing, whatever you want to call it, that I have with this team. I still think they're successful in this league this season. I think they're most likely going to make playoffs. I think they're easily going to have a winning record. But are they going to win a Super Bowl in the next two years? That is something that I would probably am more likely to bet against rather than bet for. But anyways, the Seahawks will be hosting the Rams, as we mentioned, for Thursday Night Football. Short week, get right, division opponent on Thursday. As far as the 49ers, they head to Arizona, as we previously mentioned, for another NFC West matchup. And there's a lot of things that really work as a snapshot in terms of Cliff Kingsbury versus Kyle Shanahan in that matchup. It's always interesting. Taylor, we have one final lock for you. I place them as my fourth closest to the top assured win. I believed this Jets team had almost no chance to beat anyone, much less a team who we projected to maybe win their division and most certainly make the playoffs. What the hell happened with the 0-3 Jets playing against one of your AFC South rivals? Well, the Jets clearly look like a team that is just playing with nothing to lose. And it shows. Zach Wilson is actually really good at throwing the football when he's on the run. It looks good. So he made some really solid throws that I I was like, okay, there's very good reason why this guy went as high as he did. He doesn't seem to get shaken and rattled too much, and he makes some really good throws on the run. So through it all, I liked what I saw from the Jets' offense and the way they got the ball moving. I have such a disappointment and disbelief in what I'm seeing from the Tennessee Titans. This defense is awful. They stink. And for someone like Mike Vrabel to be the defensive mind that he is, I'm I'm more in, in shock by this because I'm just like, guys, you, to me, in my opinion, you have the talent there that is needed to to get back to where you guys were last year, but you are not at all one bit the same as you were last year. Now, mind you, they were without on their offensive side of the ball. They were without AJ Brown and Julio Jones. For some reason, I still think the offense offensive coordinator or whatever they're doing on that side of the ball, I think they're still trying to figure out 
how they even want to utilize those weapons because the the fact remains is that they still have Derrick Henry in the backfield. And generally, you just want to feed that man and get him going. And they did manage to do that. They were going to rely heavily on Derrick Henry, and he did play well. The Jets are just playing. We're just going to freaking go for it. Like, we're going to play like we got nothing to lose. And the Jets looked that way, and it's just dumb. I put 16 points, the most points possible that I could lock on a game. I put it on the Titans, and they they were just a complete disappointment, which leads me to have more thoughts going into the AFC South when we do that. But I'm just not happy with where this team is going right now and the way it looks. It doesn't look good at all. Yeah, the Jets finally looked like a actual successful team on offense. I mean, that certainly is an easy thing to do against that Titans defense. I really like Mike Vrabel, so I'm not going to really want to discredit him in the equation of figuring out this Titans defense. But I really think, I wonder what this defense would be without a guy like Mike Vrabel. Would they just be getting shredded all the time? Because... That's what the Jets were able to do. Their passing game seemed to finally be effective with Zach Wilson getting shots to Corey Davis. Jameson Crowder finally came in in his first game of the season. They didn't have Elijah Moore, but it didn't seem to matter. But that defense, man, seven sacks from the Jets' defense. You mentioned AJ and Julio being out. I mean, that still didn't affect them keying on Derrick Henry. He had 157 yards and a touchdown. But it's a pretty easy defensive game plan to apply. They still, after all of those advantages, only avoided a loss due to a missed field goal in overtime. There's not much we can really say here other than Jets, welcome to the win column. Yeah, and just you, as a Jets fan, you're just like, yay, all right, we got one. Like, And, and it's a good one to feel good about getting one on Tennessee. So Yeah, there's, there's not much to look forward to in the New York, New Jersey metropolitan area, but it was a good day for those two areas this this Sunday. So congratulations, New York. You had a good Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> well done, guys. Similar opponents next week in terms of this matchup for both teams. We'll see more about the AJ and Julio situation, but the Titans play the Jaguars, another winless opponent, another division opponent. We'll see how that goes. Jets play host to the Falcons. Very similar setting as the Titans trying to figure out their wheels on offense, but obviously a much lesser running back than Derrick Henry. But that wraps up our entire Bad Beats of the week. We have another show that'll be coming out Thursday with our week five preview. We are already here and we are looking to gather some time to look for the first four weeks in review of the NFL. We'll have rankings. We'll have hot seat factors for coaches and plenty other things for you guys to follow along. If you do want to follow along, please make sure to like and subscribe and find us on Instagram at one word, take it to the house, number two, not T-O. And make sure to find our group ID to pick along your confidence picks week in and week out with us. We'll make sure to throw some shout outs in there for anybody who can find somehow to beat Taylor. But in the meantime... Taylor, tell the people goodbye. Thanks for tuning in, and we look forward to talking more football with you guys this coming week. So it should be a lot more fun uh, matchups coming up here. So stay in the loop with us. We love to hear. We love to talk to you guys. Rock and roll. All right, Taylor. Appreciate it, brother. Yeah, brother. See you, man.
How, how, how? I love that you're repping the Strohs, by the way. Thank you.